What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Prescribed Truth. I'm Jamal Bandy, the one who seeks to distribute the truth that the doctor prescribes to the church and the world today. Back again um, with another video review. Andrew Gillum, um, he ran uh, for governor of Florida back in 2018. He lost that race. He's a Democrat, um, you know, got caught up in a scandal earlier this year. And now has come on Instagram to talk about that night. Um, and there was an article published about his Instagram video, which was shared to me. And this is why I'm doing it. The title of it read, Andrew Gillum says being a black man in America led him to a drug orgy with men that fateful night. So this was published on Wednesday, July 22nd. Yeah, so this we're gonna talk about. So already from the title, we're looking at some kind of social justice narrative going away. Some kind of social justice issue that's you know come up front, and we got to deal with it, right? Because this is another person claiming that him being black has caused him some trauma in his life, you know, so or black in America, so to speak. And uh, so I wanted to look at the article, but as I read the article. I got to be fair, you know, because we're going to listen to the video. Um, it's about 11 minutes long, but I think the article kind of reads into it a little bit on the title. But that's my opinion right now. Maybe my opinion will change as we listen to it more and we hear what he actually says. But um, and that's what anything. This is how we need to do anything as Christians. We need to not approach stuff at face value all the time. We need to kind of wait and see what someone is saying, the context of what is said and everything else before we draw out conclusions. Um, you know, and so that's how we should practice anything. So we've been saying it for the longest. I've been saying it for the longest. So even when it comes to somebody I may disagree with on the topic, I still want to be fair to them and their position and things that they say. All right. And so I'm going to read, um, a bit of this article real quick before we get into it. And, um, and so like I'm going to read all of it. I'm put a link to the, the article in the description or the notes. And so you can um, look it up yourself and just look at the article and watch the video yourself. Um, but it says Andrew Gillum opened up about the circumstances that led him to a drug fueled sex orgy with two men that ended his once promising political career. So what happened? Um, I think this was back in February or March. One of them where this came out, he was uh, found um, with uh, who I guess who alleged to be a, a gay male escort. And he was found in a hotel room with an individual. The male escort had passed away from an overdose of methamphetamine, I believe. And he was found in that same hotel room with him, drunk. And so, um, yeah. So, you know, you don't say what he did there or whatever, but he was there. And it was, you know, late at night or whatever, early morning. So, you know, a lot of assumptions could be made on that on that part. But, um, yeah, so he hasn't I don't think he's denied the fact that there was something that happened between him and the guy or whatever. But, yeah, that's what happened. You know, and so this is a married man with kids. And that's going to be the gist of this whole pocket or not this podcast, but this video is the fact, OK, this is sin. You know, we're not even going to get into a lot about the blackness part of it, because as we listen to it, I don't think the blackness part really plays into what he was saying. Um, You could tell where his views stand, you know, when he mentions it. But. I don't think he's blaming uh, being black in America on what he did, you know. So anyway, I'm kind of going ahead of myself a little bit, but let's let's continue with the article. Gillum, the former Democratic gubernatorial candidate in Florida, made headlines after he was found drunk on a bathroom floor at a luxury Miami Beach hotel with a naked male escort. 
who was suspected of overdosing on crystal meth. In an Instagram video on Tuesday, Gillum described the shame and great embarrassment he felt from the harm that he had caused. Well, it says I caused it, quoting him. I needed real help to try to unpack that. So this is Gillum quoting him. You know, they're quoting Gillum. He said it was a great embarrassment. Um, he said that he had caused harm and that he needed real help to unpack it. And Gillum, and Gillum ca- uh, captioned the video, which is Instagram video. You know, you put captions in it. He captioned the video. I am thankful to so many who have. Uh, I'm sorry. I am thankful to so many of you who have wished me well during this especially challenging time. I wanted to provide a personal update on how I have been doing. Take good care of yourselves during the season, and I will see you on the other side. Warmest, Andrew. Now, the rest of this article, they quote him, quote a lot of things he said in in the video, but we're actually going to watch it. So, you know, we get to that. Um, The final part of the article talks about the father. The father of three concluded by thanking his wife and quote unquote life partner, my wife, RJ, a woman who knows everything that I am and everything that I am not. And she chooses to love me anyhow. A woman who is literally God's grace on earth, the epitome of grace. And that's what it's quote. And so that ends the article and so on and so forth. But now, like I said, we're going to listen to the video. The video is 11 minutes long. Um, I don't plan on being that long with this issue because like I said, um, it's, it's not really as much as what the article is trying to make it out to be, but you no, know, we're going to, we're going to deal with it as such. All right. So let's just get to it. Hello, everybody. This is Andrew Gillum. I know it's been a while since we've had an opportunity to connect. Um, but as many of you know, I decided to take some time away to work on myself, uh, deal with some issues that I was having. Uh, I went away to rehab to focus on my issues with alcoholism, having grown up uh, in a household where my father battled addiction to alcohol and later died from complications from uh, that deadly addiction. Uh, I know well the toll that alcohol can take on not only the individual, but also on the family. Uh, I know well the toll that it took on my father's dreams, on his hopes, uh, on uh, his ambitions. And I knew that if I didn't want to recycle many of those same issues for my children, that I had to do something about it and I had to do it now. Um, with a lot of encouragement from family and the people who love and care about me, I also got into therapy where I could start to talk through some of what was going on with me. Um, I knew that if I had not dealt first with issues of addiction and um, the numbing that I chose with alcohol, there was no way I could start to pull back the layers and talk about what was uh, truly happening underneath. Um, Therapy created the outlet for me to be able to do that, to be able to talk to somebody. I had totally underestimated the impact that losing the race for governor had had on um, my life uh, and on the way those impacts started to show up in every aspect of my life. Um, I didn't want to talk emotionally or really deeply about what had happened in the race for governor because it was a constant reminder of failure and my own personal failures. Um, It was a reminder that I had let so many people down 
it was a chorus of this voice that I tried for so long to quiet, which said that I wasn't enough, um, that I wasn't good enough. Uh, all the things that I wanted to suppress and numb and forget about, um, that depression um, uh, 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 around what I was experiencing there became far too much for me to keep down. And that's the real crazy thing about uh, depression. All right. So into this point, and I'm, you know, about two minutes in, two minutes and 44 seconds in, he mentions the addiction. So, you know, he was found drunk on the bathroom floor, right? So he was drunk. So he's admitting the fact that he had an addiction to alcohol, right? He went to therapy. He sought help to be able to talk things through. He says that, you know, losing the, the race of governor, you know, he, he, he underestimated the impact that it had on his life and so on and so forth. You know, this is all understandable. Understandable the fact that you dealing with depression because you lost the race. I mean, there's a, I can't imagine the amount of, you know, money, stress and all that that goes into running for a political office. I mean, having to be in front of people, having to find ways to please people. And this is why politicians are look at to be the most, you know, <laughs> the most liars, because it looks like they're trying to win votes. You know, that's the point to win votes. I want to be governor, but I have to make you believe that I am the right fit. And so therefore, I'm going to say what I need to say. He's a Democrat. So, you know, he appeared to appeal to a lot of the black crowd and stuff like that, because, you know, that's what he was pushing for. You know, and so, yeah, he wanted to get people on his side, you know, it didn't go his way. Somebody else won. So he goes through this mind battle of I'm not good enough. I'm not this and that third. And we understand that any of us who've been competitive in any arena understands the emotional toll that can take when you've put so much, invested so much into something. And then you come out on the losing side. Uh, we understand that um, the issue that I'm starting to have now already just the beginning is that um ownership of what took place is being put on something outside of himself and this is the case with the world this is the case with the whole culture as a whole you know um it's not me it's someone else it's something else so like this i wouldn't be here had not a b and c happened if i wasn't addicted to alcohol I wouldn't have done this, uh, wouldn't have committed this sin or this adultery. If matter of fact, I wouldn't be addicted to the alcohol had I not lost the race to governor. You see what I'm saying? And it's taken away from the fact that what's going on in his heart, what happens just like what happened on that night with him was something that he desired. And this is what we, we failed to realize as a culture when it comes to things we do wrong. It's all good and fun until you get caught. It's all good and fun until you hurt someone or hurt yourself. Until then, you're doing what you desired. You drinking the alcohol because it's what you wanted to do. You know, and you're getting as drunk as you are because it's what you want to do. And you can say it's because I'm trying to numb the pain of what I dealt with A, B, and C. There are plenty of plenty of ways. And you don't have to be a Christian to know there are plenty of ways to uh so so called numb pain. But the thing is, what makes the makes us different as far as being a Christian versus a non-Christian is that as Christians, we know that anything outside of Christ is not going to. Well, a matter of fact, is what he said, numb the pain. It doesn't take the pain away. 
You know, that's why you have to keep going back to it. You have to keep going back to the alcohol. You have to keep going back to the overworking yourself when you're working out or overeating and or starving yourself. Like whatever you're doing to numb the pain of your life, that's all it's doing is suppressing it. It's not taking it away because the only one who can take your sorrows and your pains away and give you true joy and peace is Jesus Christ. That is it. So it's right that he says that it numbed the pain. He went to those things to numb the pain. But the issue is that he's he's blaming. He's putting what he did on those things as if these aren't real desires of mine. Like, there's no way I would have been this this drunk. I know better. I've had my, my father went through this. And therefore, I mean, I know the, the toll it takes on the family. I know the toll it takes on the body and taking away your hopes and your dreams. I know the toll that it takes. So it's, there's no way I would have done this had not I had one governor. There's no way that I would have been caught in this in the room with this uh gay male escort, naked gay male escort had I not been on alcohol you know and so he's 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 laying out a domino effect of things and saying hey I wouldn't have been here had it not been for these things but guys when we go through even when we go through low moments and I may spend a lot of time here and probably end off this but I'm gonna let him finish but when we go through low times in our lives if you go into sin in the midst of your downtime don't blame it on whatever you're dealt with that got you there you're doing what you want to do even I'm talking to Christians too. You're doing what you want to do. If you if you're going through heartache or heartbreak or you you know say lost a loved one and you're battling depression, if you go into over if you go into drinking and, and over in excess, if you go into lust, if you go into anything outside of Christ, you're doing in that moment what you want to do, what you desire to do. It's not these things that's happening outside of you that's causing you to be this way. You're using that as an excuse to sin against God. That's for me. That's for anybody else. That's a reality. And we have to be honest with ourselves. And it's, until we're honest with ourselves in that regard, then we'll never come. We'll never come free of it because we we'll always have something else to blame. All right. And that's why I think he did a lot of this. He blamed, you know, these outside factors on his sin, you know, I mean, for his sin, you know. So, yeah, let's continue. Is that. Uh, a lot of times we think we're dealing with it. We're strong and we'll put on a brave face and it bubbles up on the inside. But eventually what is bubbling up on the inside is going to come out. And I certainly know what it felt like to see that come out. The, uh, the feelings I was having as a result of what happened in November, the fact that the, the, the office that I thought I could do the most for, for other people and for the state that I love, um, I no longer had access to. But not only that, after having spent 16, 17 years as an elected official, the thing I knew how to do well, the thing that, that gave me an outlet uh, to go and try to change the community in the way that I thought would make it better, all of that was all of a sudden gone. And it really did cause me to think about my own purpose and my own value and what I could contribute, if anything. And I didn't want to have to face all those things. And so I numbed. Um, I tried to suppress. I tried to ignore. And as I said, those things come up and they have a way of, 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 of showing out. So I did the one thing that I knew that I knew I could do, and that was I got busy. For those of you on the outside, you were looking at me and you saw me on television. You saw me giving speeches and traveling and, you know, posting on Instagram and Facebook like I was living my best life. 
Um, and in truth, I was perfecting what it meant to wear the mask, um, suffering and silence uh, because I uh, simply. Now, I, I will admit, guys, I I like what he's saying here, you know, to the point where he's talking about how he basically learned to perfect wearing a mask, you know, that he just got busy. And I mentioned earlier how a lot of people, they cope with stress and they cope with pain through overworking themselves. So now he's still in the, he's not making an excuse for what happened at, on that night yet. He's still talking about what he did, what he, how he dealt with losing the government, the governor's race in 2018. So he's saying basically after that, you know, he felt like a failure and so on and so forth. So he just got busy. You know, he just did what he knew to do best. He just got busy. All right. So he was just, you know, making appearances here, doing this, doing that, whatever, you know, that's what he was doing. Um, you know, and so to cope and everything else. And so that's what he's talking about now. So he's not talking about far as what happened, you know, this year, but yeah. So just giving you some, some background. Could not bring myself to deal square on with what was happening uh, more deeply inside of me. Um, if there was a lesson to learn, if there was something I would want you to take from me, it would be, don't be like me. Uh, don't suffer in silence. Get access to the help that you need. Um, so many of us, you know, think that uh, we got to perpetrate this image of perfection. I know I did. This image of strength, this image of I've got it all together. But the truth is nobody has it all together. That's the big secret. All of us are struggling and trying and, and clawing at trying to be something else uh, when we really ought to be trying to just be at home in ourselves. And that's really the journey that I'm on right now. Um. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's some, that's some philosophy for you, you know, um, and that's also a problem. Huh. Okay. So yes, no one's perfect. Right. And it's funny how we all, it's like, we all come to this realization that no one's perfect when we're caught in a sin, when we're just like down in the dumps, we realize we've done, done some jacked up stuff. And then we say, huh, no one's perfect. And it's like, yeah, you've known you've known no one's perfect the last time you told someone else that they're not perfect. You know what I'm saying? Like we all know no one's perfect. You know, we say that every time it's to a point where we're like, man, like when we fall into a rut and when we've when we've sinned against God, when we sinned in general, when we've um when we've broken out of when we've uh broken out of the expectations of people, whatever case may be, like we always say no one's perfect as if it's a new thing to realize. Like we all know no one's perfect. Anybody who says they're perfect is lying to themselves and to you. The only one who's perfect is Jesus Christ. He's the only one. He's the only man who's walked this earth. Who's been perfect. The only one. All right. And so that's it. Everybody else is not perfect. You know, we all have flaws. We all have faults, you know, but the point that I, I was like, that's the point I disagree with when he was saying how we just need to be at home in ourselves. No, 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 no. Imagine this, and this is why this that idea of philosophy doesn't work. Imagine a pedophile; he's not perfect, right? And I always go. If you know me, if you watch Prescribed Truth any length of time, sometimes I like to use extremes to get down to the brass tacks. You know what I'm saying? So I use extremes. So you probably say, "Oh, pedophile, ooh, that's an extreme," but it's on purpose because whatever works for the extreme will also work for the non-extreme, and vice versa. All right. Or whatever's true for the extreme is, is true for the non-extreme. And so you got a pedophile who, and he's not perfect, right? He has a flaw. That's a flaw. His desire is flawed, right? But should we, do we want him to be at home with himself in that, in that desire, in those flaws? No, 
no, no, no. We don't want him to be at home with himself and what he likes or desires. All right. And his flaws. We don't we don't want that. That needs to change. The thing is, how we get changed is not through anything that we can see here. You know, everything we go to doesn't work. The only one who can change us, change our hearts, change our desires is Jesus Christ. He's the only one. By, by God's grace, you, you love your sin. Just like the pedophile loves his sin, right? He loves his sin. The homosexual love their sins. The adulterer loves his sins or her sins. They all love their sins. The issue is how do you change from loving your sin to hating your sin and turning away from it? And that is having a heart change. And that can only happen by the power of the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ. So turn from your sins, put your trust in Christ. And that's the solution. That is the solution that is lasting and effective. All right. So no, like just being at home with yourself and all that stuff like that, you know, that jargon doesn't work. You know what I'm saying? Now, even in that, even him saying this, he's not being, he's not being forthright here with us in a sense as he's not giving us this fact like, Hey, so were you at home with yourself in your desire to be with another man? You see what I'm saying? Like, cause see what happened on that night, this, this wasn't a, this wasn't an accident, you know, like we don't accidentally find ourselves in those kind of predicaments. We're in them because we want to be in those predicaments. So he committed adultery. He committed adultery. And not only did he commit adultery, he, he committed homosexual. He was, uh, committed a homosexual act, which is an abomination to the Lord. So along with those sins that compounded themselves and long, and then along with drunkenness. So, I mean, he's sinned against God. And all of that, that's reality. He sinned against God, you know, in multiple ways and all at the same time. That's what he was doing. Just like a lot of us, when we sin against God, that's what we do. It's compounded. You know, the number one is the fact we ain't trusting the Lord. That's one. And then on everything else on top of that compounds, you know. And so this will happen. This is reality of it. he committed adultery. All right. Committed adultery against his wife. He sinned against God. All right. He just happened to do it with a male and not a female. That's what he did. You know, and so, oh, and two men, they said it would be uh, things that he was two men, you know, there. So whatever he sinned, you know, that's the, and it's not a sin that he can, it's, it's not like it's a sin that he can't come back from, that he can't turn to the Lord and the Lord will wash him clean like he does with all of us. The Lord can wash him clean, but if he doesn't acknowledge the fact that it's a sin against the Lord and puts his trust in Christ for the forgiveness of his sin, then it's that desire is still there. It's just suppressed. And now, instead of being suppressed with alcohol or anything else, it's suppressed with needless philosophy. That's all this is happening. That this desires, the desire to to cope in these areas and to do the things he's doing is now just being suppressed by something else. That's all it's doing. It's not it's not taken away. It's just suppressed. It's being, quote unquote, numbed again, just in a different way. And you may say if you're in the world, well, hey, as long as you don't do it, that's good enough. Right. For you and your standards, yes, but there's a holy and righteous God that he's going to have to stand before one day and give an account for his sins, his sins, his sins alone. And all because he may do okay in your eyes doesn't mean he'll do okay in the eyes of a holy and righteous God. And this is why these kind of you know responses are important to bring to bear the reality and the gravity of the actual issues. All right, let's continue. We're halfway through. This, this, this very, you know, deep, 
down desire uh, to want to be a whole and complete and indivisible person, not having to be one thing in one place and one thing in another and a different person, you know, uh, uh, when I'm in this environment and in this setting. Uh, and I know that all of us struggle with different layers of that. While my stuff had to be, you know, public and, you know, cause, you know, great embarrassment and lots of rumors, false, some true. Um, um, the shame that I felt from all of that, from the harm that I had caused was 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 tearing me up. Um, I needed real help to try to unpack that. Uh, it's one thing to feel guilty for a harm you feel you may have caused someone. That's how you know you're human. That's how you know you're not a, a, a sociopath. Um, uh, but, 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 but shame is something completely different. Shame is like kudzu. It takes over you from the inside out. It has no real meaning and redeemable purpose other than to keep you from being the person you need to be. Other than stopping you yeah. from being your truest self. So, uh, so guilt, feeling guilt is one thing and feeling shame is another. Now, now Christ takes away the shame of our guilt, you know, on the cross. He takes away the, he takes away the guilt. I mean, that's sorry. He takes away the shame, you know, uh, from the guilt. We're all guilty, right? We sin against God and we're guilty and then we're ashamed, but he takes away that shame because he also takes away the guilt because he takes it all on the cross. See, the thing is, we should be shamed when it comes to sin. You should feel ashamed when you sin against a holy and righteous God. You should never feel proud because the opposite of shame is being a proud, you know, not, not being proud, uh, confident, you know, or, um, you know, it's like you shouldn't be okay, you know, when you're not, you know, when you sin against God, you should be shamed, you know, and you are guilty. And just like a criminal who commits a crime, you don't, you don't want to come to a courtroom and then see a, a criminal who just committed murder sitting there smiling and like, Hey, what's going on, y'all? I know I killed your daughter, but, uh, Hey, you know, like, no, like there gotta be some kind of remorse, right? It's some kind of shame, you know? And so, yeah, like, yeah, so he says shame has no true purpose except to stop you from being your true self and, you know, keeping keeping you from, you know, basically growing within yourself in that in that regard. I was like, I disagree with that. I don't think shame is definitely useful. You know, God allowed there to be shame for us to realize that we've sinned against him and therefore we should feel shamed. But the the beauty of God taking away our shame on the cross is because when you've been forgiven then you shouldn't feel no longer condemned. You see, if I committed a crime and I paid my debt to society and I've, I've served my time, I should be able to move forward with my life without feeling ashamed of what took place in that far as in the legal sense. I should no longer be punished, you know, and ridiculed for, from the state from what was done in the past. Right. I've, I've done my time. I've turned from it, turned over a new leaf. So on and so forth. There should be no shame back here. You know, that's in the past. Different person now. And that's what the Lord does when it comes to our sin. With all the guilt and the shame that we've had from our sin that we've done, he takes it all away. He gives us a new heart, makes us a new creation. And therefore, we can move forward with the newness of Christ. Therefore, no shame. Because there's no condemnation. There's no guilt. You see what I'm saying? 
And so, yeah, I, I disagree with that. That's some philosophy jargon, man. It just keeps people, like I said, it just keeps it suppressed. It doesn't take away those desires. It just suppresses it. So you should feel guilt because why? And think about the reason why he's feeling guilty because he let people down. Like if this, think about it. If he did this and people just like, Ugh, psh, everybody does it, psh, you know what I'm saying? Then it wouldn't be no big deal to him. You know, remember God is not the, God is not the one he's, he's looking to please here. It's the, it's the people, you know? And so if, if that happened and nobody bat, batted an eye and people was like, okay, so, you know, he was with a male escort. So what, you know, you know, like, or, or if nobody did, people praised him for it. Like we, we saw Andrew Gillum. He's progressive. He's, he's here with a male, a gay male escort, you know, like he wouldn't be sitting here making this video now. The conviction wouldn't be the fact that he sinned against God and man, God forbid his wife would have been okay with it too. You know what I'm saying? Like that probably been the only thing his wife been upset about it, you know, but he would have had the praises of the people. So the stand, if the standard is God, then yeah, that should be shame until that sin is repented of and turned to the Lord on, you know? And so that's the, that's the heartbreaking thing about this whole thing. And we haven't even gotten to the whole title of the article of this article we're looking at, but far as him saying that being black in America has caused him to, you know, be here. And, and you no, know, he didn't say now one time in this whole thing that he mentioned being black in America, he is talking about how he felt like he had to be a different person over here and different person over there and all that kind of stuff like that. But that can mean a plethora of things, you know, that can mean, you know, just keeping up niceties and all this stuff like that, you know, so he could be kind of segueing into it at this point. But up until then, he basically just blamed the alcohol and losing the government, the governor race. Um, has basically caused him to get here, not dealing with that depression caused him to get to this point. So, yeah. Other than keeping you from your own purpose and promise, um, it has no other purpose. It has no other meaning. It has no other desire. And so get rid of shame. Forget about shame. Um, 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 I know it took me quite a while to try to process my way through that. Um, there's so much going on in the world. You know, we got COVID. Um, COVID hit very close to home for us. I watched my mother battle with uh, that virus for over a month as we watched on helplessly. Not sure how that whole thing was going to turn out, man. Take care of yourself. Um, there's a lot of pressure there. There's pressure with what we're seeing right now in the country around this Black Lives Matter movement and anti-blackness. And I know as a black man, you know, what it means just to have to convince people that your life has meaning, convince people that, you know, your life has purpose, not to be set above anybody, but just to be treated on a level that's equal with everybody else around you. Um, that's a lot of pressure. And I think it sometimes causes us to look for other ways to uh, uh, to try to numb and put ourselves in a different mindset and do some mind shift. Uh, but y'all, this thing is killing us. Depression. So to be fair to him, he does mention about, you know, anti-blackness and being a black man in America. He knows he feel like the, the pressure behind, you know, not feeling like you're worthy enough, basically. You know, and all that kind of stuff, not being treated equally, in, you know, in the same spheres and all of that stuff. But to be fair, um, I don't really hear him saying that he's attributing what he went through because of that. You know, he may be on the back end saying it probably played a small role. Notice in the beginning, he, he blamed the alcohol 
for basically what he did, you know, but he blamed the drinking of the alcohol on losing the governor race. You see what I'm saying? Um, that's kind of what he attributed to those things. But as far as being a black man in America, that just came in passing as he's talking about how there's so much stuff going on in the world and that dealing with those kind of stresses can cause someone to find ways to quote unquote numb, you know, which if you keep feeding yourself those kind those types of lies, then yeah, you're going to lie with unnecessary stress. And um, that's unfortunate. So you already know where I stand on this whole idea of anti-blackness is, you know, um, the social justice arguments, the critical race theory and all that stuff like that. You know where I stand on those issues. Um, I'm not going to go as deep here because I don't think that's what he was trying to get at here. So um, this was just a video to kind of respond to him. But the article does make it seem like he's blaming, you know, <laughs> basically blaming racism on, you know, where he's at. And I just don't hear that here to be fair to him in regard. What I hear is a lot of blame shifting, though. He is blaming his faults on things outside of himself instead of just saying that he himself desired these things and he himself is to blame. Um, you know, it's interesting in the language that he says about how shame keeps you from, you know, embracing your true self and, you know, keep you from following your own purpose of what you want to do and want to be and, and all those things, you know. Is as if saying that he's actually a good person, you know, outside of these outside factors happening, he's you no know, a good guy. You know, he will always do the good thing and do the right things, you know, except when depression hits, then, you know, he instead of coping with it a different way. He copes with it by doing other wrong things, you know, and that's just not the case. That's that's utter false. You know, the Bible tells us clearly what the issue is. All of our hearts are wicked, sinful. We desire sinful things and therefore we do sinful acts. And then when we get caught and it affects us, it affects people around us and everything else. And we feel the shame of it. That's when we start to realize it's a problem. But, you know, it's a problem before you do it. The problem is <laughs> you just like doing it, you know. And so that's that's the reality of it. That's the reality of all of our sins, no matter what it is, no matter what level it is. That is the root you desire it. All right. So, yeah, so that's much as he says on that. Um, pretty much here, I can end it here because the rest of the video is basically him. Um, he, you know, he does give praise his wife for being there with him through all of this and, uh, and everything. And he just talks about, you know, um, well, I play, I play probably until like eight minutes and 30, you know, second mark, whatever, and go from there. Cause pretty much the whole reason for me responds to this is because of the title. But then as you listen to it, you know, it's not really what he was getting at here. I can see he made it like, man, racism is causing, you know, people to stress and causing us to do this and cause me to be this way. I, I would have got that then and, and I probably would have felt more need to respond to it. But um, here is just a broken man. He's, he's a, a broken man in need of a savior. You know, um, that's what I see here with Mr. Gillum and um, anyone else who may be dealing with stuff like this, you know, and the fact that he's a Democrat and he holds positions he holds on critical race theory that I'm not surprised that he mentions being um, or anti-blackness or you no know, being black in America is causing stress. I don't, I'm not surprised at that because that's the stance he takes, you know, um, though, how, though how false it is, that's where he stands. But that's not what he's blaming his um his issues on. And so, yeah, so I'm gonna play a few more, a few more seconds of this and, and then we'll uh, close out. is killing us. Suffering in silence is, is literally taking so many of our lives. And 
Um, I would just want you not to have to experience what I had to experience to get to a place where you can try to begin the work to being at your best and to becoming your best self. Um, I want to thank those of you who reached out, who sent letters and words and texts of encouragement um, from the simplest to the most profound. Um, one that stuck out particularly was someone who told me in the midst of my lowest point to be kind to myself. It just said, Andrew, remember to be kind to yourself. Um, so I would share the same thing to you as you're struggling through whatever it is that you're struggling with. Be kind to yourself. There is no perfect person. Um, you know, there's no perfect life. We're all just struggling to get by and to do better. Um, and I know as I'm on my own journey here, um, I hope that I'll be able to share more. Yeah, stop right there. That's pretty much it. I mean, the rest of it. I mean, I watched this video already through already. Um, he's he's you know going through displaying that and thanking people and you know he thanks his wife and you know all that kind of stuff. Um, so yes, this idea of um be kind to yourself. The advice that he was given, he said, was profound to him. Be kind to yourself. In the midst of everything you're dealing with, be kind to yourself. The issue, guys, is you know. <clears throat> By definition, what kindness is, we have no problem with loving ourselves. You know, the issue is we love ourselves too much. And that's when we find ourselves being selfish, right? Um, so we, we do more for ourselves than we do anybody else. And that's the reality of it. Um, even the most uh, hospitable person, the, the most uh, giving person does more for themselves than they do for anyone else. You know, that's the reality. All right, so we're kind to ourselves. And I, th I think in the midst of this um, advice is basically talking about how he shouldn't basically beat himself up. And I think that's what the person means. Um, I'm going to assume that's what it means, you know, not to beat himself up and everything else. And yes, to a degree. But when he says that, you no know, reason, but basically he found it profound is because, you know, there's no perfect person. Once again, throwing out the, the truth that we all know that we're not that no one here is perfect. Right. He says there's no life perfect. You know, and I would say there's no life outside of Christ that is perfect. There is there's no person except Christ who's perfect, right? Uh, but he's not a believer, so this is coming from this worldview. But in the midst of that, he says that hey, we're all we're all just struggling to get by. We're all just struggling to get better. But then I would ask the question to him or anyone else who holds this kind of view: Is struggling for what purpose? Like, what is the end goal? Why do better? What is the what is what is the reason to better to do better in this life? What is the purpose? So your children can have better. Well, what does that matter? What are they what are they trying to have better for? You know, what is the end game? Ephesians chapter four, verse twenty five. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. For his name's sake, prescribe truth. We're giving you what the doctor ordered. Jamal Bandy, apologist, the Lord's servant. We undeserve it, but Christ changed our mind frame. In a world full of errors, the only thing the doctor prescribes is truth.